Nikki! Hi! <laughs> welcome, welcome to our very first episode collaborating with Strong and Brave and Late in Life Coaching on our brand new venture, Strong Tea. It's exciting! So exciting. Uh, I bet people are going to look at this and think, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Strong tea. yeah, it's just two girls <laughs> just cabbing in, a, in, a, in an office. And that's absolutely <laughs> what this is, because obviously... We spoke the first time for um, an interview for Strong and Brave and we switched the camera off. And what was it? Like an hour and a half later, we were like, at least, yeah. We've got got stuff to do. And we just talked and talked and talked about so many interesting topics. And from there, we decided to come up with, do you call it a brainchild or a love child? I don't know. I did both. I did love both. brain. Yeah. I love brain. Yeah. I love brain. I love brain child. Um, <laughs> which we wanted to put out there for people to watch that talked about real topics, real, um, maybe things that people might think are taboo subjects, difficult to talk about, um, things that people are trying to educate themselves on. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those things, um, one of the things we're going to be talking about today is grief, because obviously the discussion behind uh, loss, death and grief is often something that people shy away from. And that's completely understandable. So that's our first um, episode, which is happening today. Uh, a lot of people might be thinking, why strong tea? Um, it's because Vicky and I am completely obsessed with RuPaul Drag Race. And oh. spilling, spilling the tea. I know, it's just so... Oh. Um, you haven't watched the latest season though have you I'm starting I'm on episode three Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shock shock ending that's all I'll say um yeah yeah it's exciting um but we're both obsessed with drag race and that again has uh, prompted many more hours of chat um and on drag race they talk about spilling the tea and spilling the tea basically means sharing the truth and having a bit of a gossip as well really so that's what we want to do here it means just being really honest, open, having a really blunt discussion in many places. Um, some of these chats are probably going to be quite hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and different people are going to find and take different things from them, I think. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, months, years, hopefully into eternity forever, um, <laughs> is going to go from strength to strength and talk about all sorts of different um, discussions. So I'm Katie. I'm from Strong and Brave. And... I'm Vicky. I'm Vicky, yeah, from Late in Life Coaching. There we are, um, you. <laughs> I know, weird, huh? It's amazing how the business matched my name. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> so this week we are um, venturing into the world of grief because it is um, National Grief Awareness Week. Um, we'll add a caveat to this video before we start um, and put a bit of a trigger warning out there. Um, some of the things we will discuss will probably be quite triggering for people. Um, discussing the deaths of our loved ones and the following months and our feelings and those sorts of things. So if you are struggling with uh, grief or feeling slightly sensitive, maybe this might not be for you right now. So I guess uh, starting things off, if you want to go first, Vicky, how how did you experience grief most recently and uh, what happened yeah so <clears throat> yeah in addition to that trigger woman I'm, I'm going to be talking about um cancer so if anyone is particularly sensitive um and doesn't want to hear about it then you know th- this episode isn't for you but yeah my my grief came about from the loss of my mum my mum had um lung cancer and was diagnosed two two and a half years ago 
Um, and yeah, she she had a, a long fight and the, the chemo was working, then it wasn't, then it was, then it wasn't. She went in for a routine um, MRI scan last December. Um, so literally a year ago on the 5th um, and things didn't go to plan. Um, she lost consciousness in the MRI scan. Um, crash team was called. Um, they um, heart beating and she was she had to use the machine to breathe. Um, but then we had to um, turn the machine off less than 12 hours later. Um, so, yeah, losing my mum last year started this journey off and it's been an incredible journey. It's just it's been probably the weirdest thing I've ever been through ever. And I know that sounds so stupid because it's the death of your mother, but it's it, yeah, it's just been it's been crazy and I know there's so many different forms of grief and, and and so on but yeah it's it's just been mad yeah how about how about you um well uh, again I'm gonna add um a trigger warning here as well additionally um this talks about um baby loss neonatal death so it's not the easiest of things to listen to um in April this year I went into hospital um I was induced to have uh, our first child and um Everything was going fine uh, until it wasn't. And um, there were complications during labor and Poppy was born um, and she was born not breathing. And they managed to resuscitate her, but unfortunately the damage was too severe and um, she died 12 hours later. Um, it was, you know, you say about this weird journey, I mean, I literally thought the days afterwards that I was I wasn't going to survive it. I I didn't see how I could make it through, you know, because mm -hmm. it was the loss of it wasn't just the loss of Poppy, it was the loss of everything that you kind of planned the rest of your life, you know, all the the hopes, the dreams, everything that comes with having a baby was just gone and I think the problem was that there had been no warning absolutely no warning whatsoever it was a perfectly healthy pregnancy and she was so perfect when she was born that there was there was no reason it should have happened and that was that was the hardest thing because it was disbelief and it was an awful lot of shock that came with it which I imagine you experienced as well even though your mum was poorly mm. you never I suppose you never no. anticipate it actually happening do you no absolutely not and you know like I said, she'd been going through this journey, um, her cancer journey for a couple of years, but the way and, and how she died was just, it was completely unexpected. We just, you know, we were going into the hospital expecting her to just be in bed awake. You know, we were even arguing, you know, whose phone she was going to have to watch Netflix on. And, <laughs> you know, when we were there and, you yeah. know, she, she wasn't with it. She was unconscious and having a machine to breathe. It was just quite yeah I mean and that trauma that that kind of stays stays with you for a very long time because you know your brain is trying to handle everything that's going on and there's so many things firing at you, at you. like you said the questions the plans you know we were supposed to go out next week and you know just all those things that you just think oh my gosh you know life has now changed in a split second how how am I going to deal with this yeah and it's it's how quickly it changes and it's mm -hmm. your brain it takes a long time to catch up doesn't it and yeah. we kind of um both my husband and I went through um a series of moments of pure clarity 
and then moments of complete mm. like shock and denial and you know it was all over the place all the time and it was mm. it was such a bizarre thing because we were like well no hold on a minute um everything's set up in the house to go home to have a baby you know we've got um changing bags all over the house I've got travel car I've got the prams made and ready to go and I'm like how has this happened and my brain didn't seem to process it my brain was like no this is this is not real and it took probably a good week or so for the shock to wear off yeah and that again then it hits again because mm-hmm. you've you've got the shock and then you've got the grief and yeah. I think even now I've processed and I'm still processing the loss of Poppy but when it comes to the trauma of what actually happened it's almost like I've put that in a tiny little box and I'm like we're just put that over there because I don't need to deal with it at the moment and there's still a lot of work to do there and I think probably you know from the conversations we've had in the past Mm. that you probably feel the same about certain elements of that yeah absolutely because with cancer and any terminal illnesses you go through this really weird kind of anticipatory grief so when you know that obviously the illness is terminal and you know you're on finite time you go through this weird form of grief even though they're still alive and they're still with you because you know they're going to die sooner rather you know sooner yeah. rather than later and it's so if you can be sat right next to them and you miss them and you're building this up and you know it's that anticipatory grief and in your head you're like right this is how it feels now I'm really sad every moment could be the last and you kind of build yourself up. Like, okay this is how it's feels. so what does grief feel like it's probably just this but bam when it hits you you're like no this is completely different from that anticipatory grief I went through before in helping to care for mum and look after her you know trying to kind of look after dad and make sure he's okay as well and it's kind of completely different afterwards and yeah you I, I, I know we spoke before about going into that practical mode straight away as well yeah and that helped me initially but again that put that trauma into a little box as well because I just thought right okay I've got to sort the funeral out let's do this so sort all the funeral out practical practical, practical. right dad needs help moving mum's clothes right let's do that sorting out a wardrobe yeah practical 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 and then you think okay it's over right what now that that little box is there I can open that when I want what what now what now and yeah it's really I, I can't even find the word it's just so unsettling but. yeah and I, I got that moment um after the funeral because when she died we had a month between when she died almost to the day and when we had the funeral and there was the practical elements of that and we had a very, very small funeral. There was literally about nine of us there, I think. Mm. And, um, you know, it was planning that and, you know, where it was going to be and what it was going to be like. And, you know, that took a lot of brain power mm. to do. Um, and when we had finished that, it was almost like, the only way I could describe it, and described it at the time, like, have you seen Finding Nemo? Everyone's seen Finding Nemo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know when Nemo swims out from the coral and he goes off the drop-off? Yeah, like initially he's surrounded by all the people and all all the other fish and his friends and all the coral and it's all like safe and then all of a sudden he swims out and there's just this expanse of nothing and that's how I felt after the funeral because I was like what now like yeah what what you know and almost everyone not in the well in the literal sense but also in the figurative sense, uh, sense as well everyone goes home everyone goes back to their life and you're kind of like well what happens with my life because 
what I had planned, much like what you said, you know, we're supposed to go that next week. And what about mum's birthday next year? And what about this? And what about Christmas? And, you know, and you left thinking, well, no, hold on a minute. I don't know how to go on. I don't know. And it's just that not knowing. And like you say, it's terrifying because you just think, Mm. what the hell comes next? Yeah. And did you find it lonely? I did in a way, yes. Um, I mean, I had fantastic friends around me and Neil... Um, my husband was just incredible. He really, really was. He he was absolutely amazing. I couldn't have asked for anyone better to be stood by my side. But even with that, we were both experiencing the same loss, but yeah. we were experiencing it very differently. And we were both on different sort of trajectories in terms of how quickly we were moving through things, how we mm-hmm. were dealing with certain things. And so we were together, but we were also apart. And I found a great deal of comfort on support groups. Um, Mm. I met two fantastic girls um, through a support group, um, Tommy's Tommy's Baby Loss. And actually speaking to them, I was able to, this is a weird, weird turn of phrase, to have the best of both worlds. But I had Neil, who had lost Poppy with me. So we knew what that was like. And we could share Mm. that together and deal with that together but these girls knew what it was like to lose their children and so they had that sort of mother's intuition Mm -hmm. and they were going through everything that I was going through as a mother Mm -hmm. and so I was lonely but knowing there were people there was was a huge help and I know you said you use support groups as well at the time yeah the Macmillan um group online was particularly helpful um later on because again initially I went on there going, what's the answer to getting rid of this this feeling then when does it end please is there you know what hour and uh, yeah just and what's the right way to grieve you yeah know, am I supposed to be feeling like this because I had so many people say you're handling this so well and some like looking suspicious, like you're handling it too well. And yeah. that makes you start questioning, like, yeah. am I doing this right? Is there a manual with how I'm supposed to do this? And it's only now, you know, nearly a year after the event that I can hand on heart say there is no right or wrong way to grieve. Yeah. You know, that there really isn't, you, you know, you're not there. There isn't a handbook. And one of the things um, people kept throwing at me as well is, oh, there's that cycle, the grief cycle. So, yeah, I get that. But grief isn't linear. You can bounce back at any stage into that denial stage or, you know, it, I know we spoke even now. It's like there are days that we're extremely wobbly. Yeah. Um, and other days like today where we can talk about it quite candidly and, you know, not cry or go fetal or anything like that. It's, it's you know, it's old tissues. Just in oh. case. Just in case. Oh, no, I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's. And, and I think that, that was one of my main challenges as well was that grief doesn't come in any kind of packaged this is what you're going to get we still don't know what we're going to get do you know what I mean I've had a year of firsts where we've had first mother's day mum's birthday um and and those were particularly hard and that was interesting I call them rug pullers because they just pull the rug from out of you and you're not expecting it you know a song on the radio or for me walking past the hospital where she died that really got to me the first two or three times yeah um and yet so you don't know what it's going to look like and it's going to look like different for everyone because we've all been through something different but did you find that that the rug pullers 
Yeah, and I haven't yet experienced any firsts because, and I, mm-hmm. I suppose it's the tragedy of losing your child on the day that mm-hmm. they were born. It's their birthday, but it's also the day that they died. And I've always said I don't want it to be the day that she died. That's her yeah. birthday, and that's what we'll, we'll celebrate and we'll remember her. Um, but the, you know, there will be Mother's Day, which I'm sure I will find difficult. There'll be her birthday. And this Christmas, you know, I've got a bit of a sense of, it's not dread, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's aching sadness because there's a photo of me last Christmas stood in front of the Christmas tree with my bump with the um, caption, this time next year, little one. And the not having that is still, it's still clenching at my heart, mm-hmm. you know? And the rug pullers, I suppose for me, like you talk about the um, uh, the hospital, mm-hmm. I still can't drive past the hospital where she died. Um, and I don't know how long it will be before I can do that but it was things like the area where the hospital is I was I would associate with being near the hospital so I couldn't Mm. go there and you know seeing certain people the last time the last time I was here I was pregnant or the last time I saw this person I was pregnant and getting Mm. over those barriers and those boundaries quite difficult because you are just thinking oh the last time I was here and it's it, you bounce right back. It's quite difficult yeah. for your brain to sort of go, no, actually, you know, it's it's okay, and you just mm. need to process this. But you you know, you talk. I think we're quite similar in a lot of ways in personality, and you talk about that whole right. How do I do this? How do I process grief? And I remember maybe two weeks after Poppy died, Neil and I went to meet a therapist. And honestly, she must have thought we were absolutely bonkers because we sat down and we're like, right, look, we want to we want to want to work our way through this. So what do we do? And she was just like, well, you you don't you that's not really how it works. And we're, <laughs> we're both very black and white people. We're both very much of the mindset that there's a sort of project oriented, you know, orientated mm-hmm. and um, very organized, very planned. And so it's like, right, well, there should be a start. There should be a finish. And the more time I spent with it, the more time I was just like, there's no end to this. Where, where is the end? Where, and you know, you're looking and you're just thinking, I can't see an end. And you talk about how you bounce, you keep bouncing back. And people kept saying to me, there's no way around grief. You mm-hmm. have to go through it. And I was like, I'm, I'm going through it. I'm feeling all the feelings. I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm not holding back crying. I'm you know, and there were times that I screamed into pillows. I cried like for like hours some days. And I was just like, I'm doing everything I need to do. So why isn't it going away? And I think over time, actually it has, yeah. but I couldn't see at the time. And I still get like, you talk about those wobbly days, as I'm sure you do. You bounce mm-hmm. back and you think, I'm back at square one. I can't, you know, I, and actually I'm not. It's yeah. just your brain trying to maybe process things a little bit more, but you think Absolutely. I've come all this way and I feel exactly the way that I did way yeah. back when. And I think that I know we'll come on to sort of giving people advice on our experiences later, but the one thing that I did that's helped me so much was I wrote uh, a journal and I started it the week after Poppy died. And to start off with, it was just a bit of, um, it was a way to get stuff down on page, mm-hmm. but also to make sure that I was actually eating three meals a day because I wasn't yes. at the time. 
and you know was I exercising because I was trying to walk and I was still recovering from c-section but I was like right I need to get my health back I need to get my strength Mm. back so it was really a way of tracking that but I had a a section it's like half a page of a5 so it wasn't really much every day which was head stuff Mm. and I still write in it now and it's almost seven months now Mm. and I think on the days where I don't think I've come very far I look right back at that first day and I think my god I was so unbearably low at that point like I didn't I didn't see a way out and Mm. I look now and I think my god I have come so far and you don't necessarily see it when you're in the midst of it and you've got that kind of that mist around you but it it, it has helped me massively mm. did you God, do that's anything? so powerful that's you, really powerful did you do any writing or journaling or anything no and that I am <laughs> and as a life coach I do advocate journaling <laughs> um, so that's quite ironic um I do journal now um but at the time I I didn't and I kind of regret that especially now that I've heard you started it so soon and I think of course yeah that would have been so helpful but I think my approach was almost to kind of bathe myself in in what was um, in, in mum, basically. I know that sounds very strange, but going through um, messages, um, even the night that she she passed away, I was kind of going through all the messages, going through all the photos, playing all the videos and just kind of trying to to kind of. And I knew she was gone, but I just I, I felt comfort in kind of making sure she was there and in the back of my mind, I kind of wanted that desensitization. I don't want anything to hurt when I see a picture of her or, yeah. you know, suddenly, you know, and yeah, so that's kind of what I did. I kind of made sure that I I wanted to remember the person, not the final moments with my mum. Yeah. Um, because it, it was traumatic. So I, I wanted to make sure that I could remember that mum was, you know, a living, breathing, wonderful woman who, you know, was just amazing and annoying she's a mum yeah yeah so that was kind of my approach and I I liked I loved people talking to me about mum yeah so when I told friends and so on they would say oh your mum oh that chocolate cake she baked you know and oh she was so lovely at your wedding and you know and just little things like that and little stories no matter if they made her out to be a bit of a gossip because if anyone could spill the tea it was my mom. Okay, um, she would have been a great drag queen. All t- um, Tino shade though. Oh, oh, she's the queen of shade. She oh, could read anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, reference watch RuPaul's Drag Race. If you're watching this and have no idea what we're talking about, um, but yeah, and just hearing other people's stories of her made her still a light, a spirit alive, and yeah. it was comforting. It was so comforting. I think people though are terrified aren't they to talk about um you know the when when loved ones have passed and I know like so many people sort of said to me oh my god I don't I don't know what to say and and I would just like to say at this point now it's okay to say that if you don't know what to say to someone who is grieving and you just say that that's better than running in the other direction Mm -hmm. because even if you just sit down and say I've got no idea what to say but I'm here if you need me that helps more than than you know but so many people avoided talking about Poppy yeah. and, and and almost I was just like it's like the elephant in the room I was like are we not going to talk about my daughter and I and to start with I was quite offended by it because I thought 
why does no one want to talk about her? You know, if she was, if she'd have been born and everything had been fine, people would be like, oh, you know, is she sleeping through the night? You know, is she, is she, is she eating, is she feeding, you know, and all those sorts of things. And yet everyone was like, oh, you know, and I, and looking back now, I understand that. I understand why people were scared and why they shied away from it. But I love nothing more than talking about her, even though I didn't have her for very long and I don't have, you know, yards and yards of memories of her, you know, being able to talk about how beautiful she was and, you know, how soft her skin was and how she had Neil's nose and how she had my little hands. That I, well, I, that's the point. I don't have little hands. I have, according to my husband, long spindly fingers. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we did, we did uh, joke at the time. That it's a good job. She didn't have Neil's hands because he has quite feminine hands anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's, uh, for me, it's nice and it's comforting to be able to have those yeah. discussions, but a lot of people were so scared to start with. Yeah. I, I, do, I, I do get that. I think. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I came to a real crossroads um, quite soon after mum passed as well. It was the people that came forward to say, I don't know what to say, or I'm just so sorry. And, you know, the cards that came through and, and so on and so forth. It, it was amazing. But those that didn't come forward and those that didn't contact for months and months, and when they did, it wasn't about mum. Or about how are you doing or checking in there was a real crossroads of okay I need to look at my support structure here you know I I need to, you know the people who have been here for me are the ones that are in my inner circle now that are, they're the people yeah. I trust they they get it and I understand some people go through their own trauma and it might be too um raw to contact me whilst I'm going through my trauma does that make sense because yeah. you know I don't it want to trigger anyone else yeah but those who just don't know what to say um, or perhaps don't want to see that, that side of me, you know, they don't want the whole, I don't want sad Vicky. I want happy, bouncy Vicky. I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk about death or anything like that. It's not helpful. <laughs> no, no. It's horrible. It is. And you, you do feel there are some people that I feel slightly let down by, but then yes. on the flip side of it, honestly, there were a couple of girls that I used to having um, a separate business. Um, I do a lot of freelance work for companies and um, I did some freelance work for this company. So that's, I worked on the periphery. And so I didn't know these girls incredibly well. And honestly, they text me so frequently and said, if you want to meet for a coffee or you want to go for a walk or, you know, and I was just amazed by it. And there's a girl that I went to school with who I haven't seen for, God knows how long and she has texted me and she sent me lovely things and you know it's just amazing and after after about six weeks I put a post up just saying mm -hmm. look thank you to everyone for your support and you know please don't shy away from talking about mm -hmm. Poppy because I want to talk about her and if you don't know what to say mm -hmm. that's all right because I wouldn't know what to say either and from that then people got in touch with me and said thank you so much for saying that because I wanted to get in touch with you and I didn't know how and I didn't know what to say and you know that's probably one of my biggest messages for people like if, if you if you're supporting someone you know someone who's grieving mm -hmm. just drop them a message and just yeah. say how are you doing or if you don't want to get that response just sort of say I'm just thinking of you 
I'm yeah. here if you need me. You know, those sorts of things I think are invaluable. And just yeah. being able to have that connection with someone and know that someone's there. Yeah. It's just, it's is amazing to have that. Even support. an emoji, even like a heart emoji or uh, anything yeah. to just make yourself there. And yeah. because, you know, and it, I, I found grief so lonely because um, obviously my, my other half is kind of, was very supportive, that's great. And my dad was going through a completely different form of grief. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's a wonderful man. I, my dad is just incredible. I love my dad with every ounce of my being. And we've only just now started to really kind of open up about our grief together and how, and it was a real light bulb moment. It's like, oh my gosh, we're actually feeling very similar in how we're handling, you know, I'm his daughter, of course, you know, he's very practical minded, I'm very practical minded. So of course we're gonna handle things similarly, but it's taken a long time for us to really open that door for fear of what grief looks like and how it's going to, but for me, I've, I've been so worried about looking after him, making sure he's okay. Yeah. That that's added a lot of weight yes. to, to myself. When you're um, opening that door as well, I think there's also something quite scary about seeing your parents hurt, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Vulnerability. I mean, yeah. I have never felt like such a grown-up in my life. It's like seeing, seeing a, a parent so vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know, as you're growing up, your parents are invincible, aren't they? They're, they're yeah. the lawmakers. They're the kind of, you know, they, they, they may cry in front of you, but they're very much role models, you know, yes. since you're born. And so you know I've realized that at the grand old age of 40 <clears throat> look 25 um it's kind of 40. um it's very much I have become that adult role yeah and it's it's quite scary yeah it's quite scary yeah um so yeah my it's it's just been wonderful going through it with a member of my family but understanding he's coming from it as a husband of someone he was with for the best part of 50 years. And I'm coming from, from so it's, yeah, it's yeah. very complex. Yeah, and it, it is all those different layers, isn't it? It's like a big yeah. onion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a stinky onion. It really is. It really is. I think yeah. uh, seeing, someone actually said to me afterwards, seeing your parents go through it must have been, just as hard because they're dealing with the loss of their grandchild but also yeah. the heartbreak of their daughter and oh, yes. I didn't think about it in the midst of it at the time but mm -hmm. I looked back and saw how they were hurting at the time and it's still like I'm getting choked up now thinking about it it's still it still hurts me to think how much they hurt and how mm -hmm. vulnerable they were slash still are mm -hmm. um from it because it's just such a traumatic thing for anyone to go through but then the people on the periphery of that and I'm so grateful that both Neil's family and my family have had that close circle of friends around them and friends and family to sort of get in touch and say you know how are you doing are you doing okay and can we do yeah. anything and uh, it's made such a difference to them it really has yeah and I think that's key There's, and I know we're going to go on to advice in a bit but it's kind of having that support structure and I don't know about you as like you said with the two with the two um people that you were working with it's kind of people can come out of the woodwork that, yeah. that kind of have been through it and understand and are there and you think crikey wow yeah brilliant you know yeah. this is and building that support structure of people in your inner circle uh, they will carry you through and 
I am so grateful for my friends and my colleagues who have just literally carried me through. And I know a lot of them have been concerned because I'm not, I'm very, I wouldn't say very comfortable, but you know, this is why we're doing this edition. I, I don't want grief to be taboo because talking about it is therapy. Talking about it helps. And it doesn't matter what you're thinking or feeling. It's valid. It's real. It's not weird. It's, it's it's all good but that value in talking about it is just so important and for people not to be afraid yeah and I like you've said about being grateful for people like friends and family and everyone around me has been absolutely incredible Mm. um I've had a friend who's been my friend for maybe about 12 years now and uh, she drove up uh, in the week after it happened turned up and said just she just turned up on the doorstep and just cried and it was it was exactly what I needed and she came and sat with me and we sat and cried for hours and just talked and she has experienced everything with me and we we voice we voice note on whatsapp each other every morning now and it's become a bit of a ritual Mm. and she always talks about poppy and that's that warms my heart every single day because it's she you know poppy's living on and she's yeah. not getting forgotten just because she wasn't here for very long. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for her. And I'm so grateful for the people around me that are just, like you say, they, they hold you up. Yeah. They really do. It's that support network that feels like human scaffolding. Yeah. And the grief carries on. And those, the, the, the human scaffolders, <laughs> they, they kind of, it's, it's, it's so important that people realize that grief doesn't just end after five months or six months. Yeah, you know this thing carries on for a long, long time, and I think a lot of people just act as if it just goes away, or it's yesterday's news, or people just simply forget because you know people are busy in their lives. But you know, even just having our our, our scaffolders ask, you know, how are you doing this week? How how are you doing lately? Yeah, and just checking in every now and then, you know, months afterwards, it makes a difference because even though the initial news and everything has passed, the the rawness and how you feel and the wobbly days, they they're still there. They're still there. They absolutely are. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that everyone said this to me in the early days? And it, by the way, if you know someone that is grieving, don't say this to them because it's terrifying. Everyone kept saying to me, this is going to change you. It's going to change. You're never going to be the same person again. And I was like, I have spent 36 years of my life getting comfortable being me. And you're telling me now that this person is not going to be here anymore. Great, because I don't need that on top of everything else I'm going through. But I see it's not very helpful to hear it at the time, but I see it now and I have, it has changed me almost, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to articulate it, but Mm. I have become stronger, more resilient and so much more appreciative of life. Yeah. And with my coaching hat on, um, we call it a post-traumatic growth. And it's when something really traumatic happens, um, a lot of people, so you can imagine a line and something traumatic happens, a lot of people go down and they they never really recover. Post-traumatic growth is something traumatic happens, you learn from it and you, 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 I wouldn't say excel, but you you grow from it, you learn, you you encounter a journey where you develop and it's quite a powerful thing. Um, And I agree, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone said this is going to change you. I think it's more, um, it will get easier, which is, I'm not going to swear, it's baloney. 
um it doesn't get easier it's just different yeah I could have said another b word but you know this people might be watching this at work um and so yeah the post-traumatic growth thing I very much it resonates with me as well so mum died in December last year um I started coaching in January and I almost used my practical mindset what I was feeling and and it just kind of excelled me it was kind of yeah I I almost boxed it as well I'm just in denial this is why I'm doing all of this but I was really conscious not to go into that space too much of denial and to really kind of yeah and I I really feel that this year and I know we talked about it in in our initial interview is kind of it's been the weirdest year but I feel I've grown and I have had a bit of that growth from something so traumatic Um, and I wouldn't say I'm grateful for it I just think I have learned so much about myself through grief, um, you know, and as we know, mum was going to die. I'd always figured, you know, always thought, what, what am I, what's grief going to be like? What life's going to be like afterwards? Yeah. And I couldn't have predicted it, but I am, yeah, I am stronger than I thought I was going to be. And I think that's definitely something that people need to consider that although you think you're not going to handle it and you're not going to survive, you will and you could come out very very strong yeah yeah and it's it's terrifying to hear at the time but actually on the flip side of it like I sort of say you know yeah I'd much rather jack all this in and be the much less stronger me and be here with my daughter but I can't have that and I can't Mm -hmm. I can't turn back the clock so I have to make the best of what I've got and you know, like you said about what people said about how are you, how are you surviving this? And how are you, you know, you're, you're doing really well and you're really strong and, and all this. And you just think, I, I don't have any other choice. You know, what else am I going to do? And some days that is my mindset. And other days I think, no, I am strong. But then on the days that I think I'm just surviving, I actually need to remember that surviving is actually really strong as well. And that yeah. takes a lot of doing. So yeah. I think if you are grieving, then you shouldn't give yourself too much of a hard time. However you're feeling on that day, however you're going through, however you feel like you're changing, it's the scariest thing to do because I'm a complete control freak. So that's, you know, um, that says it all really, but you really have to just ride the wave. You just have to just go with the flow and just take what it throws at you because there is no way Mm. of managing it no you can't project manage grief it's kind of and as we've talked about you know the the rug pullers and things like that there are things that will come out that will mess with any kind of plan you've got in place um and I think for me a bit of routine later on because I went with cruise bereavement yeah and counseling and they were fantastic and you know every Tuesday I would have the counseling and so on and having that kind of routine and just having an hour to just in safe space really express and talk about it and it was safe space away from my dad, from from um, my husband, from friends who would always be kind of, you know, wanting to cuddle and wanting to really, it's just someone who's quite objective and just talking. And yeah. that helped massively as well. Because as you said, some days getting out of bed is a massive win and don't underestimate that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for those that find the process of getting out of bed lasts longer than those of, okay, I'm feeling a bit better today. That's okay too. That's yeah it's it's the weirdest it's the weirdest journey and we had um the girls that I met on the group and I started a whatsapp group and uh, we used to have this thing 
we still have it and it's called um ljds which are lead jacket days which are days you feel so weighed down that it's physically it and, and i can't stress this enough the grief wasn't just mental for me it was physical it actually felt some days like i had a, a darkness weighing down on me like a, a physical weight and i felt heavy and i felt exhausted and you know those those lead jacket days still come yeah. and sometimes they're worse than others and that's when we say you're wearing lead boots as well and maybe mm-hmm. a lead hat um, but it's the days that that you feel so weighed down it's important mm-hmm. to remember that actually you're not back at the start you know you've come so far yeah and you have processed so much stuff that your brain needs to do this mm-hmm. and there are days when I will literally think I haven't cried for ages yeah. and I'll sit and cry because I know I need it and don't get me wrong I can't cry on you know I'm not, I'm not Kate Winslet but I can't you know I I it doesn't take too much to make me cry yeah. and sometimes I let it flow and sometimes I'm like no now's not the right time yeah and I let it I let it open which which is a control that I didn't have before and sometimes I still don't have control but sometimes I do and I like to look at a photo and I like to just cry because it's it feels therapeutic yeah. for me and so many people are like right I need to be getting better I can't cry I need to you know hold back the tears and you don't you need yeah. to get out it has to that's yeah. part of the process isn't it and it's so funny because when you're talking to friends and so on, you're like, it's okay, I'm crying, but I'm okay to carry on. They're like, oh, oh, oh. Like, no, 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 seriously, this happens. It's, 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 it's a physical thing. Just just let me carry on talking. It's, 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 it's a thing. Yeah. It's yeah. bizarre. But I, I think you're absolutely right in that don't be afraid that you're going back. So I like to kind of think it's like a um like a cylindrical, like corkscrew going up and up and yeah. up. It's kind of, you know, you're never going back a step, you're just going round and up round and up round and yeah. up and that could take years it could you know it this thing it there's no rules as we've said it's just it's just a different journey for every single one of us and we can only support each other and talk about it yeah yeah for, for sure and I heard a couple of analogies right the, I think it was my dad actually that came up with both these analogies and the first one was I, I remember sitting at home just in a sort of days after I come back from the hospital and I was like, I don't know how I'm going. How am I going to live my life? What 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 happens now? And he's like, right. Think about eating an elephant. I was like, what? But he said, if you look at an elephant and you think I'm going to have to eat that, you think, how the hell am I going to do that? He said, but if you start with a little piece at a time, mm-hmm. he said it becomes more manageable. I was like, mm, not actually a bad analogy. I mean, harmful to elephants but you know <laughs> no elephants were harmed in the making of this and, and the other thing he said to me was you know you're gonna be climbing up this mountain and you know it was the you know the idea that people were sort of pushing me up and pulling me up as I went and there would be days when I fell back down but I would never go down to the bottom again yeah and it was just like there'd be a little ridge and it might it might just be one step up from the bottom mm-hmm. but I was still there and each time you get a bit further, if you fall, mm. you don't fall all the way back down. You get back to that ledge and it's about building yourself up again. And, and yeah. I was just like, my dad is wise. Oh, very wise. <laughs> Has he considered coaching? Well, I'm just kind of. 
know, in his retirement, it's all the spare time. So I might suggest oh. <laughs> I, I can take on employees. <laughs> it's, it's that all day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting because it's I think for dads are obviously full of wisdom. My dad said to me as well that because I've been so worried about you know distraction make him happy is he right is he having a good time oh god because he, he stays with us quite a lot and I, I love it when he stays and when we were talking he said uh, I, I don't need to be distracted all the time when I'm sad and you know she's close to me when I'm feeling that loss it means she's here she's she's with me yeah and I thought oh man got a punch like yeah of course yeah. you know that how we're feeling is just an absolute testament to how we loved that individual. Yeah. And I don't think we we should kind of underestimate that how black and horrible and dark this grief monster or whatever, how you picture it is, the bigger it is, the more you love that person. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, quite powerful. It is. And I, I, I've read so many quotes since that talk about grief is just love. And the more you grieve, the more you loved and that it's just the only way that love can outlay itself is in, in sadness because that person's not here anymore. And I thought, God, that's that's deep. Yeah. Um, and it's true. It's and I, I at the time I was so scared. If you'd have told me like a year ago, never mind that this was going to happen. If you would have said, you know, uh, at some point your dog's going to die, I'd be like, no, no. They're going to live forever. It's fine. Um, because I couldn't even deal with the thought of death or loss. And, you know, in the past, my parents have like I've done our wills. I'm like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. Um, you know, because it's sort of it's a terrifying thing. And um, a friend of mine as well used to run um, like, let's talk about let's talk about death um workshops oh and I used to be like oh Christ I can't do that I can't you know and I and it was it's what a lot of people do they're like I don't have to deal with it so I won't you know Mm. and it's become this subject that everyone is terrified of and rightly so because death is scary and loss is scary because you think I've had that person for you know 12 hours 80 years Mm. the thought of losing someone that you love so much is terrifying but the more we talk about it and the more we normalize, you know, how to support each other and yeah. what's okay and what's not when you're grieving is, I think it's a it's conversation that needs to keep growing. It needs to keep happening. Yeah. It and it's universal. Happen. You know, I felt like a fraud because everyone was kind of like, oh, you're okay. Oh, you're going through such a rough time. And my response, whether it was right or wrong was, but everyone's going to go through this. You know, every, people are going to lose someone they love or someone's going to lose a parent it's it's going to happen to everyone and there's no comfort in that but Mm -hmm. it's you know our time will come inevitably when we lose someone that we love or are close to Mm -hmm. um hence why you know grief is universal it's it's yeah it's insane and scary as you said but we've got to talk about it absolutely terrifying um I think my, pro- my probably my question to you is in terms of advice for others <clears throat> if someone is trying to support someone through a loss mm. that they've experienced what what do you think from your own personal spirit experience is the best advice to give them um first and foremost listen really listen have that kind of open safe space where you're not checking your phone you're not kind of looking, you know, and you're not interrupting what they're saying. 
you're actually listening and absorbing and engaging and you don't even need to say anything back just provide that really safe environment for them to just vent or or just just listen it's so important and I think we as a society have just we've lost that ability to actively listen to one another um we're, we're too busy trying to fill the silences that come afterwards or you know and it's okay to be silent and sit in that. And I think with grief, that's incredibly important to do that. Yeah. Um, I think asking what they need, you know, don't presume, don't assume that, you know, they're going to need um, lots of cake or, you know, just don't, <laughs> don't assume that, you know, that, that you're going to want, they're not going to want to see anyone. Ask them, yeah. ask them what they need. Cause you might be surprised with what they say. Yeah. Um, they might say, can we go for a walk and talk about something, anything else other than this? Or can we go for a walk and actually talk about this? You know, we, you don't know what's happening inside their mind. So ask what they need. Um, I think we've covered it before. Don't disappear on the person. Yeah. Um, engage, even if it's to say, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of you. If there's anything I can do, any form of communication in what could be a really lonely, confusing finding Nemo on the edge of that precipice kind of space it, it's a light it is a huge light um, and can I yeah. add to that point there nine times out of ten if you don't open with a question for someone who's grieving they will probably just respond with I'm doing okay thanks or thanks for getting in touch rather than mm -hmm. actually I'm not I'm horrendous and I really want to talk about this if you don't open a question if you just say yeah. I'm thinking of you the person will probably more likely just say thanks because they're so exhausted and they can't think of anything to respond with. They're just like, yeah, that's great. Thank you. And they do appreciate it as well, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. And it, following on from that, read the room. You know, if if they don't want to talk about it, don't force them. Yeah. Equally, if they want to talk about it, don't feel uncomfortable. Yourself, unless you've been, and again, if, you, if something is triggering for you, that's absolutely fine. But if they want to talk about it, for the, don't cut them off. Don't do it just because you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you could make a difference in that second for that person for weeks. And I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. I had conversations with friends who just, just a question or just allowing me that, that chance. It changed everything for me um, for weeks and weeks and weeks. It, it got me out of bed. And yeah. yeah. So don't underestimate absolutely I, I think that's that's so powerful it really is I, I had people who got got in touch with me like I say who I hadn't haven't spoken to for years years and years and just sort of them saying you know I heard your news and I'm absolutely gutted for you I yeah. haven't known what to say but I'm here if you need me and then they almost yeah. just sort of burst into a discussion about something else and it mm -hmm. kind of you just think okay well I have people I can talk about Poppy with yeah. and I have that support network, but someone over here is being a friend and just trying to help you through it in a different way. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's so important as well. If you're not sure what to do, just don't run mm -hmm. away. Just, just be no. there. Don't un underestimate how helpful you can be to someone for sure. Absolutely. What would, what would your advice be for people who are going through grief or potentially about to go through grief? <sighs> that's a, that's a big, that's a big mm. question, isn't it? I mean, I think probably um, one of the main things, listening to what you said about advice for others, is don't be afraid to ask for what you need. 
you know, I when I said I put that message out saying I want to talk about Poppy, so many people were like, oh my God, I'm so glad you said that because I wouldn't have known. And there are some days when people will say to me, well, tell me what you need. And I'm like, I don't know what I need. I've got no idea. And other days I'm like, yes, I need to go for a walk. Or actually, I just need to be distracted or I just need to sit on my own and read a book. And that's okay. But don't be afraid to express what's needed at that time because people are there to support you. And that's mm-hmm. that's important. Um, I don't, there's no right or wrong way to experience grief. And that's that's a massive thing that like you've already said that already. It's just such a weird thing that you'll go through. And I have found so many moments of comfort in looking at Poppy's photos and, you know, sitting with her clothes and stuff like that. And other times I'm like, I can't do that because I'm feeling too fragile. And that's okay. It's okay to have both of those moments. And, you know, whether you need to shout, cry, scream, like I say, I used to scream into pillows Mm -hmm. because the release that you feel from that is actually quite exhilarating. It's, you know, as a, as a release of frustration and mm-hmm. it felt quite therapeutic to do. Um, you, you mentioned about cruise bereavement um, get help because you don't have to do this on your own. And it's, you know, there are people out there who are grief specialists and bereavement mm-hmm. specialists and they, you may feel like you're just sitting in a room talking, but that's okay because that does help. You know, you might not feel like it is. Um, and I've, been um having therapy since poppy um and we've also had couples therapy and it's actually helped so significantly because mm-hmm. you start to open up different lines of you know well, what happened and how are we feeling and mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not a scary process to talk about it and i have spoken to women who have lost children who are like i don't i can't speak to anyone about it i'm terrified I'm like what are you scared of and they're like getting upset I'm like why you know you can't hide from that forever because of that that's terrifying because if you repress what you're feeling ultimately it's going to hit you doubly as hard on the flip side further down the line and if you lose one person and you don't deal with it and then you lose another person the impact of that because you're almost just putting things in boxes and not dealing with them it's quite it's quite scary isn't it it's going to come out (laughs) sooner or later yeah it it really is and I think that's uh that's important to know that talking does help um I suppose the other the other bits are probably more practical things like you know don't underestimate getting up and having a shower and you know just getting even if you just get out for a little walk or Mm. you know one of the things so I'm writing a book at the moment about my experience losing Poppy and I said the importance of little wins is really really important yeah. even if you get up a shower and put a fresh pair of pajamas mm-hmm. that's an achievement and you know actually taking good care of yourself because yes. you might feel like utter crap right now and not want to do anything but at some point you're not going to feel this bad and then when you get to that point you're going to want to be in the best physical shape you can be you're going to be want to be healthy so that you can yeah. start building your strength again and mm. so taking care of yourself now in small increments, you know, showering, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, will actually do wonders for you long term. Absolutely, um, yeah, I second that completely. Yeah, it's it's important. And by the way, I have so many pairs of pajamas 
that I can actually <laughs> check I can shower like four times a day and change into fresh PJs every day every day of the week and still have spares so no, no here. Um, but, um, one of the things that um my therapist advised me to do was take up hobbies or do things mm. like physical things and you know to start with I was just like oh crap I don't what's the point I don't want to do stuff but she was just like if you can give your brain even the smallest bit of a break from that things and I tried to take up knitting did not go well I do not have any patience and as a result I sort of quit I'm waiting for someone to come and show me basically (laughs) a lovely pair of knitting needles and some lovely books so far they're still in the bag they came in so um, so I found that find something that you don't find stressful to do um you know I listened to loads of podcasts Mm. because I didn't want to be with my own thoughts so I'd go out for a walk and I listened to funny podcasts I listened to Mm. Tina Fey Kevin Hart Amy Poehler um just finished Billy Connolly and just listening to people talk, you know, it's not a book, so you don't have to focus on reading, um, but just being able to listen to a voice. So you're not yeah. actually focusing and thinking, oh, my God, this, oh, that, that, you know, yeah. it actually helps. So yeah. much. the um, noise can be overwhelming in your brain with yeah. everything going on. So, yeah, and plugging my website here, but there's an article <laughs> that I wrote about um, flow. finding flow and that's when you're so absorbed in what you're doing there is almost that this the brain has a therapeutic cleanse because it's just so focused on what it's doing there's no other thoughts and it can be anything you know playing chess can give you flow um playing sport anything it it can you know as long as there is something to absolutely get your attention that no other thought and it can make you feel completely fresh and new because you've had that break from that brain noise Absolutely. And it's, yeah. it's funny, I had a conversation with um, Bethan from Andra Health last week for Strong and Brave, and she talked about, about giving your brain a little holiday. And mm-hmm. I said about when I tried yoga, because she teaches yoga and Pilates and a lot of movement. Um, and I said, I thought, I'm going to yoga. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to switch off. <laughs> What's the point in this? And then someone said, do the tree. And I've got the worst balance in the world. And all of a sudden, I'm like, focus on a point in the room. And I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. I'm balancing. I'm doing it. And I, all for, for just a couple of seconds, I'm yeah. not thinking and my brain's not going, you know. Yeah, so it, uh, it is, I think it's, I think it's important to uh, yeah. give your mind a break. And like you talked about routine. Yeah. I've been having acupuncture, therapy, you know, doing, doing yoga, doing exercise. Mm-hmm. And I've just plotted little things on my week, not to yeah. fill it up. But just have a regular thing each week that I'm like, right, this today I'm doing this, today I'm doing this. And it does help push you along a little bit more, I find. It really does. It really, really does. Yeah. So I think what might be useful as well is if we put um, all the links. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, the links to Bruce, uh, Bruce Cruise Bereavement and um, any links to the articles that we've written. Because I know with Grief Awareness Week, we've both been tinkering in the background kind of trying to do articles and things like that to get the word out of you know let's talk about this yes yeah Um, if if anyone wants to talk having watched this then by all means drop either of us an email um the other thing I would say this this book I have read it is very good I don't know if that's is that backwards no that's finding meaning by David Kessler got it 
it's um it's actually really powerful and it it talks about so many different stages and how many feelings you're going to go through and I found reading after I lost Poppy practical books um I lost a lot I read a lot about uh, baby loss and that helped me because reading about other people's experience and seeing that other people could come through it yeah that helped me so I'll put those um baby loss books and also the other grief books that I've read on the, uh, yeah. on the article as well I'll add one as well Kath, uh, listen by Catherine Mannix oh I bought she's that the other day amazing she's a palliative nurse and she talks about the years of experience and she's also got colleagues and and so on to write um little chapters in it about how to have the conversations with people who are dying uh friends or family who have experienced loss and it's how to have those conversations. It is so powerful. And yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. So we'll put that in as well. Sure. No, that's great. Yeah. And, um, I think this has been for a first episode. I, you know, I managed to not cry. I? Yay! <laughs> but um, I think it's actually been, it's actually been really helpful. It's, it's been helpful for me actually to, to talk and hear other experiences. Yeah. Well, that's been, that's been quite therapeutic. So definitely. We are back next week, aren't we? With another yep. uh, another episode. Not we're not going to talk about grief this time. Um, we're going to talk about bisexuality, which is uh, I'm going to be question master for that one. Um, <laughs> but we have got um, we've also got special guest um, April Kelly uh, joining us as well. So um, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting chat as well. Talking Can't about wait. LGBTQ communities and different attitudes towards bisexuality and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to being educated as well and finding out you know about it so uh, yeah looking forward to that what um just before we finish what tea are you drinking today so I am drinking at Yorkshire gold because I was I was a Yorkshire tea fan for a while and then I discovered Yorkshire gold and I'm never going back what, I just what what's the difference because I am a Yorkshire tea girl but I've never had Yorkshire gold tastes posher he's posher <laughs> okay I'm have, to, have to experience it did you say yeah. it was difficult to get hold of yeah so we've we've not managed to find any in our tesco so we <laughs> my dad has to <laughs> has to bring it from morrison's <laughs> when he comes to visit so contraband yeah, <laughs> yeah. brexit <laughs> even though it's yorkshire yeah you have to you'll have to just buy it in bulk and keep it in the shed or something yeah along with all the toilet roll and all of that yeah gotcha <laughs> i haven't i haven't gone for a builder's tea today although i do like it i've gone for a pucker uh, peace tea which is very nice which has got fennel, fennel and licorice and it's good for digestion and it's less calming are you feeling peaceful I do feel peaceful yes nice. yeah it might be the chat might be the tea might be both who knows oh. no harm in trying both <laughs> <laughs> anyway we will be back next week um talking about lots more exciting stuff uh but thank you for watching and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it and like i say if you are experiencing loss um you have experienced loss you're struggling with grief you want advice for other people going through it then please by all means get in touch with us either of us drop us a message uh, get in touch on our websites and we'll put all the links in the article for you so we will catch up with you soon take care everyone bye bye